the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. And welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, same address for the last 29 years, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for all the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. And for the programming we have on the Exxon TV channel, that's channel 21 on Simul TV, www.simultv.com. First of all, I want to thank everybody for once again sending me all their different recipes from my cold. Um, and as usual, 99.9% of them all include alcohol. So thank you very much for that, guys. Appreciate it. And um, I'm feeling a little better today, thanks to um, Dr. Jack Daniels and, and his uh, crew of, of uh, disciplinarians and the members of the Exxon Nation. My guest this hour is a, is a gentleman who is from my home territory of St. Catharines, Ontario. As you know, I was at uh, CKTB for a number of years, and I enjoyed our stay at, at CKTB. But as the show on the networks grew, so did we, so... Um, it's always great having somebody back from St. Catharines with us. And tonight is uh, Joshua Black. He's a research uh, into the area of grief dreams with a special focus on dreams of the deceased. He is currently in his uh, final PhD at Brock University, continuing to investigate grief dreams and will be graduating this year. Joshua has published scientific literature in the area and is considered to be one of the leading researchers in the field. To raise awareness on the topic, Joshua wrote the children's book, Dreaming of the Owl, or Dreaming of Owl, that can be found on Amazon. Additionally, he has started a website, griefdreams.ca, Instagram and Twitter accounts at Grief Dreams, Grief Dreams Facebook group, and the Grief Dreams podcast. His website is griefdreams.ca, and Joshua, welcome to the Exxon. Thank you for having me. So tell me, what got you interested in grief dreams? <laughs> Oh, well, I, uh, there's a long story and a short story, but what, uh, what happened really was my father died. Mm. And when that happened, my world turned upside down yeah. and I was for about three months there. I was just so depressed. I was in like a really dark state. And then I had this dream and I had this dream of him where I was able to say goodbye mm -hmm. and to tell him that I loved him. And that was something that he died so suddenly and never got a chance to do. So when I woke up, the crazy thing was I felt completely different and I always put that in my back pocket you know I never told anyone about it but that was the first moment that you know I'm like oh this is this is different than my other dreams like there's right. something something new here 
And I just, you know, it helped me great. And I went forward and finished my undergrad. And then I started working with the bereaved and they started asking about these dreams. And mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to like, I didn't really ask about them, but they were asking me questions about why didn't I have dreams or, you know, how come I'm having negative dreams? And so that's when I decided, you know what, like look at the literature and there wasn't really anything there to help them, which was really shocking to me. And so that's when I said, you know what, I got to figure this out. It's bugging me. <laughs> I want to know some answers. Uh, and so that's when I, I found a university, Trent University, to do my MA at. And I learned more than I ever could there. And then I was able to do my PhD at Brock. Now, your PhD is in what? It's in psychology. Psychology, okay. Yeah. Um, does isn't grief a natural um, way of us healing ourselves through whether grief is by the passing of a loved one or even even the change of a job, the change of a move, a change of a location, any major change within our within our psyche? Yeah, yeah, any kind of deep sorrow, right? right. That's what grief is. And a lot of people when they think of grief, they mm -hmm. think of um death. dying or yeah. death, right? So actually like a more proper term for these dreams is probably bereavement dreams. <laughs> but a lot of people uh didn't really know what that meant, so I that's why I termed it grief dreams. <laughs> Now, how do you how do you study these dreams? How do you how do you investigate grief dreams? Well, for my MA mm -hmm. uh, at Trent, the, uh, I looked at what were the common themes people were having, um, if they even existed, right? Right. And you know, if they were, and then the other thing I did was, did they change over time? Uh, I looked at that, and then for my PhD, looking at you know what factors predict dreaming of a deceased loved one, and then also um, are these you know common? And then the other thing is. Um, why are they happening? Yeah. So, you know, like, why, what's going on here? And there's a couple different theories I looked at, and they all sort of, you know, um, have face value mm -hmm. to the data, what's going on. So I collect them actually online. Uh, it's probably one of the, the best inventions <laughs> that the internet has, uh, has saved uh, grad students is that you can collect data now online. And I've got so many. For my PhD, I've done four studies, and all the samples were above 200 people, which is really amazing and yeah so within their questionnaires and then I ask about the dreams they've had and yeah and that's basically how it is and we uh, we we then do the analysis afterwards what is the physiology of a dream how does a dream work like, what do you mean well why do people dream how do <laughs> they dream what's the science <laughs> that's, behind that's, dreaming we don't really know we don't really understand it all and that's the interesting thing on sleep we still understand why we sleep right like we have theories mm -hmm. but we don't really have concrete evidence um to basically support one theory over all others so but, so what is the leading theory in how dreams work well the one of the main theories is a continuity hypothesis so this is saying how we dream um basically the dreams we have reflect mm -hmm. our waking life in some way and so this could be the things and tasks that we do during the day, or it could right. be the emotions we feel. It could be the problems that we're, we're wanting solved um, that we can't find the answer to, and it can show up in our dreams. Like answers can come that way, and a bunch of wish fulfillment um, things too, right? So if you're, you know, you're really desiring something, sometimes it can come in uh, into your dream. So the continuity hypothesis—it's a very broad thing, but a lot of uh, research supports that. So if you're let's say really happy before bed, mm -hmm. um, you'll, you're more likely to have more positive dreams. But if you're depressed uh, or sad, you'll more likely have negative dreams. And so in general, people will have more negative dreams. So if you just look at like a general sample, most people are, will have a negative dream tonight. <laughs> and that's more or less because uh, they're just worrying before bed, right? Like they're stressed out, life is tough, 
And it's very hard to have those moments of joy and that, you know, stay with us. And then after trauma, um, when they look at these dreams, they become even more negative. So this is the interesting thing about dreams, right? So you can really tell a lot about where someone is in their, um, their mental state by looking at these dreams to give you sort of a window into what they're dealing with. Does everyone dream? Yeah, so, so far, they haven't, no one's ever um, found someone that doesn't dream. The, the issue is about remembering dreams. So we're all producing dreams, but mm -hmm. we're not all remembering those dreams. And that's the mystery, too. On, on, and there's like a ton of theories on that and why that is. But, you know, like, that's still sort of one of those things that, you know, 10% of the population doesn't remember their dreams at all even though they are dreaming. And we know this because when we put them in a, in a research lab mm -hmm. um, and when we wake them up in REM sleep, they'll report something, they'll re report a dream. And so this is the interesting thing. It's like, why aren't they remembering? And even those people who are remembering dreams, the interesting thing is too that you can fluctuate your dream recall, which is wild. So like the more you value your dreams, the more you're actually going to remember those dreams as you move forward. And our culture is kind of bad at you know promoting the... Uh, dreams itself and the usefulness of really understanding them uh, in our culture. Why are some dreams in black and white and others in color? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. That's not, <laughs> I, just, I didn't study that. Um, but I'm guessing, you know, there's probably something to do with, uh, is something to do is going on there. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I can't answer that one. All right. So as a dream <laughs> specialist, you just focus on grief dreams. Yeah, because this is the, the big thing is that the uh, there wasn't a lot of research in the area when it comes to, especially dreams of the deceased. So there's mm -hmm. when it comes to grief dreams, there's a lot of different types of grief dreams. There's a, sort of the type that's more symbolic. So the deceased or the uh, isn't mentioned in the dream at all. Then there's this other type of dream where they are mentioned by friends or maybe by an angel or by God or there's like a building that uh, resembles them in some way. Right. Then there's this third one where it's dreams of them. Uh, they're actually present in the imagery in some way. And that's what I really focus on because that's what people were asking questions about. And the sad thing is like you got to understand like no one is being trained on this in thanatology or any kind of bereavement counseling. So what's going on is that when people are being asked these questions, mm -hmm. no one knows answers. So they tend to give bad advice if they do talk. Um, and if they don't, they tend to push it away and they don't want to actually investigate it. They don't want to ask the questions about these dreams, even though they can be very informative, but there just wasn't any research. So that's why I right. focused all, was it seven years of post-secondary school, post um, from MA and PhD on this topic, just so we can actually start talking about it. When I first started talking about this thing, no one really, you know, not, you didn't get a lot of like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> you're like, All right, Joshua, stand by. We've got to take our first break. Exo Nation, Joshua Black is our special guest. www.griefdreams.ca. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. 
Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Exxon Nation, Joshua Black is our guest this hour, www.griefdreams.ca. Joshua, I'm a, little, I'm a little confused here because in the first segment, I was asking you questions about how we dream and so on and so forth, and we don't have an answer. So how do we know by trying to interpret a grief dream based on no actual knowledge on how a dream works that we're giving the right information to the people who are seeking the answers? Well, we know that, you know, we are dreaming and all we can sort of do is really take what they sort of share us because a lot of people, mm -hmm. we don't, we can't even see the dream, right? Like if we could see the dream, it'd be a lot easier to analyze these things. But the reality is we got to go for self-report. And so people have to sort of indulge or discuss what they want to and their memory could be, mm -hmm. you know, a little, uh, could be accurate um, or not. But when it comes to these dreams, I'm not interpreting the dream. You got to understand that other people will do that. And that's, you know, you got to ask them, you know, how can you do this, right? Uh, with me, what I'm looking at is, are these dreams common, right? Like, and what's maybe like, what factors are predicting people having these dreams? And also, why are some people having these negative dreams? And so this is sort of looking at more of some of the functions of these dreams. Cause, right. Um, and that sort of can get at the, you know, like, why is this even going on? So okay. I'm not interpreting these. No, I, I understand that. that. I understand that. But I asked you why, how we dreamt. What was the physiology of a dream? And you said this is something that we still don't know. So if we don't know the, the physiological reason for why we dream, how can we take any interpretation uh, or any data or any study and make sense of it if we don't know the mechanics behind it? Well, we do that with all sorts of things, right? Like we don't know why we sleep, but yet we know it's important, right? So... There's a lot of things that we don't know, and that's why science is, you know, like, is, is so necessary mm -hmm. in our culture. And as we sort of move forward, and the more technology we get, the more answers that we get. We do know when it comes to, there's two sort of phases of sleep, non-REM and REM. Right. We, we know when it comes to REM sleep, 80% of the time you wake someone up in that, you're going to catch a dream. In non-REM, it's around 50%. So we are dreaming throughout sleep. But for whatever reason, in REM sleep, it's a little different. So those dreams are a little different than non-REM sleep, mm -hmm. um, and they tend to be more frequent. So there's, you know, there's theories on to like why that could be um, the case. But that's sort of really not my my whole okay. focus is sort of trying to talk about these grief dreams because this is the stuff that, you know, even though we don't know a lot about um, dreams itself, this is an important topic in our culture that people are discussing. Yet we don't. But no one really has investigated it through a sort of scientific method. 
Okay, so what do we hope to accomplish by studying grief dreams? We know that if somebody dies, there's grief. We know mm -hmm. that for any major change in a person's life, there's grief. So what do we hope to accomplish? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that people are, is this common, right? Like, can mm -hmm. we normalize this experience? Because grief itself, the issue people have is it usually they don't understand what's common in grief. And so it scares them and they sometimes think they're going crazy. Uh, and then they have all sorts of complications. And so then that's like just a whirlwind, right? Like once you start thinking something mm -hmm. that, you know, you're not dealing with it properly, you'll start like, you know, making that actually true in your life. And you'll get worse and worse, even though it could be a very common thing. So for these dreams, what we're finding is that it's very common. So I did um, a study on spousal loss and partner loss, and 86% of those people within the first year uh, dreamt of the deceased loved one after pet loss, after six months. Um, it was around 76% or something. And then mm -hmm. after a miscarriage, they're dreaming of the baby mm -hmm. that died, and that was around 50% of the time. And so the first thing is that these are normal yeah. to, for people to have these dreams. But you got to understand, people don't understand that. And that's why it's really important, because a lot of people who have these dreams, they say, they think they're going crazy because they feel like they're the only ones that are having it. And the answer is no. Like, it's actually really common for you to have this. So then it goes to, okay, you know, what kind of dreams are you having? Mm -hmm. Like, does that mean anything? Does that relate to your grief at all? Does that relate to anything? And that's sort of the question I had with people is like, why am I having these negative dreams? And so um, with looking at the dreams itself, what's actually very interesting is that these dreams tend to be positive in nature which shouldn't actually be the case. If you remember when I talked about the continuity hypothesis, yeah. that these dreams should be negative because they're in deep sorrow. But for whatever reason, when the deceased is in the imagery, these tend to be positive. Is, it, pos very... is it possible because this gives the person who is in grief to have another moment of time with this loved one, this departed one, and gives them the opportunity of of saying things that they may have wanted to say while the person was alive, but they never got the chance? Yeah, well, that's what happened with me, right? And so it's like almost this continuing bond experience right. is sort of one of those theories that, you know, maintaining a bond with the deceased is one of the, the things, you know, grief experts say that, you know, helps in our grief recovery. And so this, where, this is where people also get into, like, the visitation aspects of these dreams because um, they're maintaining this bond that, you know, is basically going beyond death, which is, you know, we can talk more about that. But also this uh, emotion regulation is another big aspect of grief. And when we're, we're stuck in this grief, it's hard to do the work that we need to do. And these, these dreams, but if they give you these positive moments, um, when you wake up, you're elated, right? You have that sort of the increase in happiness, which can help you work on your grief but a is little that, bit better. But is that a false reality? Like, what do you mean? Well, for example, because, if, 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 if you dream of somebody who's passed away mm -hmm. and you wake up, feeling great the fact is that this person is still gone that's true that's very true but in that moment that's, in that moment of that dream mm -hmm. you thought they were still alive that's what i and meant so, by a false reality yeah yeah and that can help with emotion regulation right and so you can get that that whatever that heaviness away from you mm -hmm. to then sort of work on some of the stuff and the in the sadness will come back it's not like most of these dreams people have, they feel good, but they mm -hmm. also feel sad too. Sure. Like, right? But it's the moment of actually they're feeling something new that they haven't really felt usually in a while. So, okay, but by them yeah. getting a super high, then reality sets back in and puts them into a super low. Doesn't that also increase the chances of depression? 
No, I wouldn't say that at all. I wouldn't say that it goes to a super low, like it's a big thing. You gotta understand, some of these people who have these dreams, mm -hmm. it's almost like um, there's just two people, right? There's those spiritual people who will right. then take some of these dreams as visitations, mm -hmm. which has its own sort of uh, high value to that. But there's also these other um, people who aren't spiritual. It's just like it was a good memory and they got to see him again. So for a lot of people, even though they know it's a dream, even when they wake up, they're still happy they got to see him an, another time um, where they weren't dead in a casket sort of thing, right? So it's a, it's a better, so your last memory is not All one right. of them actually, you know, in a illness or, or death or dying. But, but wouldn't a photo have the same effect if that's all there was to it? No, not at all. Like if, if you, you must dream, right? Sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. And so in those dreams, there's a sense of reality. And a lot of these people talk about these dreams being more vivid than vivid and more real than real. So in that thing, it's so different from a picture because a picture, it's almost like imagination. But in the dream, because you believe it's real, um, there's something else going on there. And I sort of, I, I still am amazed with, you know, what else is going on here? Because I believe it's not just the dream. I believe there's something else going on uh, within, within the mind that's actually helping us because these, what people say in a spiritual or not, they have these dreams. There's a sense of love and peace that it's not even like a memory. Like there's a love and peace that they haven't seen um, before and they haven't seen them that healthy before. So it's a very interesting um, imagery to have because why don't we have it with other stuff? You know, like when like other grief dreams, right? Like if we lose a job, why aren't mm -hmm. we having the boss come to us and say it's going to be okay? You know, like it, that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, wait a sec. I, I, I beg <laughs> to differ with you. I've heard stories mm -hmm. of this happening where people have had jobs they've loved. They've lost that job and they've dreamed about being back in that job. No, no. I'm talking about like like the, the boss saying like, like you get fired, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I've, the, I've had, yeah. I, I know people who have had that dream who've gone back to work and everything's great with the boss again. The boss brought them back. No, I'm talking about when it actually, I know you're talking about more of like it's a memory kind of thing. I'm talking about like for these grief dreams, okay. the impact is the deceased comes back and mm -hmm. basically comforts them to say right. it's going to be okay. Right, like so, it's acknowledging that what's going on in the present. Right, right. Um, what you're talking about is like they're calling back, and it's like things are good, and you're, right. you're doing that. Well, That's is, like more is, like a memory, right? But isn't that the same thing? Because no, you've got no, no. you've got the deceased coming back and comforting the living, and in this dream where the person uh, gets fired, in the dream they go back to work, and everything is fine with the boss, and the boss says, "Okay, you're doing a good job." What's the difference? Well, it's how it's being said, right? Like if you're like I understand, like with the deceased, they're talking about the present moment mm -hmm. and the person's suffering. So they're talking about their grief for the most part, right? There's yeah. other dreams that they're not. And there's other, like, so there's some dreams that are like that, like what you're talking about, where it's like they're reminiscing or they're back together again mm -hmm. and they're taking a walk, right? That's sort of what you're talking about with these sort of like work dreams. I'm talking about more of the other type of dreams where they're giving sort of this advice or they're comforting the bereaved in the sense of the grief. So they're saying stuff that's going to help them actually work through their grief process. So I don't know if you've seen um, work dreams of the boss basically comforting them and basically helping the person find a new job or feel comfortable finding a new job. That's what I'm talking about. That's the difference in the sense of how, how they're different, right? And, is it possible that this is a self-help or a self-healing mechanism that our body has and it has really nothing to do with the departed, only the, the memory recall? that is being manipulated by the mind in order to comfort the person who's having the dream. That's one, yeah, it's one possibility for sure. And you sort of see that with, you know, some of the memories and mm -hmm. stuff that, that comes with that.
Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, why doesn't it happen all the time? All right, stand it's by. Like, We've got yeah. to take our news break. Joshua Black is our special guest, Exonation, www.griefdreams.ca. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue hearing the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Exonation. Joshua Black is my guest this hour. His website is griefdreams.ca. So, Joshua, do you think that there's more to the dream, that there's an actual connection between the living and the dead? You know, like that's one of the questions I get all the time. And it's so hard to say. I mm -hmm. can't, you know, like as a academic, I can't test that, right? Like, it's not something I would need to know. Like I'd be able to talk to the, the deceased, but if I did that, we wouldn't need dreams, right? So, so, so um, but just personally, like I've seen so many things that are just, it makes me question that. It makes me sit in that mystery of life, of what's going on here? Because there's something different than regular dreams when it comes to dreams of the deceased. There's a sense of love that's really different, right? As we were talking about the self-help, it's like, why don't we do that more often? You know, like if this is something that we can do, why is it only when someone dies that that we get all we get that that sense? And how come these dreams can be so powerful to us? Like I've had, you know, people who are just like down in the dumps, or like me, right? Or people who, you know, wanted to um, die by suicide. And they have their, you know, and they had these dreams and mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like a 180 and it just changes them like nothing else. It's like, I always say it's like 10 years of psychotherapy, like something's going on in these dreams. Um, so if there's something that chemically, right, that the body's releasing that it's, you know, it's very rare or there's something sort of spiritual going on here. And I can't discount either one. Um, but it's really interesting. Some of the dreams I do get um, when it comes to the deceased on what they talk about or how they say things. Um, to the deceased that and they talk about heaven or they'll talk about like the afterlife and I even had like a lot of bunch of people say they they have these dreams of the deceased prior to knowing they're even dead mm -hmm. so this is sort of the really weird thing right so as much as the like comfort stuff though these people they don't know the person's dead yet and yet they have these dreams either it could be like a couple hours or a day before the person before they get notified that the so, person so we're talking died. about a precognitive dream Yes, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's very interesting. So it makes me like you scratch my head and say, you know, how is this going on? Because this is, this is different, right? This is very interesting um, of what's going on. Even some have heard other dreams where mm -hmm. uh, the deceased will tell of a future loss that's going to occur. And that's sort of the, the precog thing. But whatever happens, like these dreams with the deceased present tend to be extra special in the sense of other dreams we're having. All right, as a scientist, what have you been able to test and confirm in the lab, in the sleep labs? So one of the big questions, so I'm not actually in the sleep lab, so, um, but uh, one of those things that um, 
how do I you look at? Oh, wait a second. Let me ask you. If, if you don't do any research in a sleep lab, how do you know what's going on? Oh, we got our own lab and we okay. do questionnaires. So we're, okay. we're using questionnaires. So we're not actually putting them like in a sleep lab to look at what the brain's doing um, when they have one of these dreams. That's probably something you'd want to do in the future for sure. Um, but like we're at the really like, beginning blocks of understanding these dreams. So the easiest way to do that is to look at questionnaires and to ask people what's going on. And is there any way that you vet or verify what the person is telling you? Well, when it comes to any kind of like question or research, mm -hmm. we're just, you know, um, we're hoping they're telling the truth. And you know, it... that we, we don't want them to lie. And at the end of the day, we have sort of um, mechanisms in there to sort of know if people are, um, are you know, say lying um, based on sort of the data. But overall, you know, I think mm -hmm. people are generally, you know, they're nice and they, they want to sort of share their experiences to, you know, further their own grief uh, process, right, to help in their own journey. Uh, because, you know, helping others through this research helps them in the sense of coping and finding meaning after their loss. So the one, uh, the one study that we, or the one topic we looked at that the bereaved want to know was why are some people having these dreams and mm -hmm. other people aren't? And so the issue with that was a lot of people who were spiritual that didn't have these dreams were actually complicating their, their grief in different ways. So they're say that I'm not having a dream and that's because my loved one, they didn't make it to heaven, like they made it to hell. And so they're stuck there and they can't contact me. Other people are saying maybe they're in purgatory or maybe they just forgot about me. Maybe there's just like other things going on, they can't see me. And then like another uh, common one where people are saying that they're angry at me because I had to maybe sell the home or something. So they complicate their grief because they didn't, haven't had these like confirmation dreams. Sounds like these are very self-centered people. I don't know if they're self-centered, but it's just this is grief, right? Like when we want, when we love someone, especially mm -hmm. if we're spiritual, we want to know that they're safe, right? And I remember my mom always, uh, even to this day, if mm -hmm. I go somewhere, she's like, call me when you get there or you send me a text, sure. right? And the, I think that's the same thing. It's just we care a lot about these people and we want to know that they're okay. But if you're spiritual, your faith should be able to carry you through. That's, you know, that's the hope. But, you know, we're, we're human and we're, no one has like that 100% faith. Um, but that's the goal, right? And so we work with people where mm -hmm. they're at. What are the what are the common threads between people who get to this point in grief where they where they need these dreams, where they need the visitation, where they need the contact? Well, I think it's it's um, you know, it's usually right in the beginning <laughs> they they want that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because you're in such deep sorrow. And it's such a, you know, grief is such a, such a hell of a thing. And people who like go through it, it's like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, you want to just be with them again. You want everything to be back to the way it used to be, but it's not. So there's so many changes that's going on inside you. And you really, you know, like you, you need help and you're wanting mm -hmm. help. And you're basically, usually the person who's died has helped you cope in other losses and other things that have been going on in your life. Now they're gone. Is this it is why... I was just going to ask you, is it, is it because instead of celebrating the person's life, we grieve at their life, that we grieve at the loss instead of celebrating the accomplishments and what the person has done in their life? Well, I think, you know, like our culture is trying to go that way, but mm -hmm. I don't know if that's even, because it's really based upon like, why do we grieve is I think based on attachments. It's based on our love that we have for people and how they make us feel. And it's like, yes, we can celebrate, but you're still going to have to mourn because you can't really skip that process. And some, when some people try to do that, mm -hmm. 
they actually become worse later on because they're really avoiding the sadness. And but, so this is the issue, right? Like when you talk about avoiding, because you can celebrate and celebrate and celebrate, but if you don't actually connect with the sadness that they're gone, well, you're really avoiding those emotions. But and, who says who says yeah. we have to be sad? Why can't we be happy? And, and like I said, take a positive look. The person has, whoever they are, they've done good in their lives. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, mourning the loss and... Like the Irish, they have a great way. They don't mourn, they celebrate. They celebrate when a person passes. They celebrate the life. They celebrate mm -hmm. the, the good. I, I, isn't it possible that by using the, the, the good, the positive aspects of the person's life that we can, we can overturn the, the grief into fond memories and by doing this, the, the hurt the the emptiness won't be as, as, as severe yeah i would think so yeah it won't be as severe but it's still mm -hmm. there you know like and this is the the whole point of right. all of it right like it's i'm not saying it's not there but i'm saying it's like you still got to connect with that and if we avoid even the, the sadness that can cause um a little trouble for us in the end as because avoidance is such a, a negative quality when it comes to uh living life and coping and um thriving in life so yeah, like, you know, celebration, I think, is great. And I think, you know, they've done a lot. Like, our loved ones, our pets, they've done so much to us as a whole right. to get us to where we are. And that's why I, I love celebrating. I celebrate my dad all the time. But there are still these triggers and these moments that the sadness comes in. And sure. when it does, I, like, I sit with that and I cry. And it might not last long, but I acknowledge it. And then I sort of get back to sort of that celebration. But it's like, you know, like, we're not... You know, like certain people grieve a certain certain way and some people are more into um, the sadness and that's right. OK. Right. Like everyone has their own way of of grieving. Um, but it's just like, what can we do to, to help each other out in the process? And when it comes to normalizing the loss, that's what these dreams and that's why I'm working with these dreams so much. It's to like help that area of people if they have questions mm -hmm. um, or like seeing figuring out like, oh, is it helping them and why? Because you say like celebrating these dreams, for the most part, are celebrating that love that they've they had together. So it's like, if you're not getting it in almost waking life, you're going to get it while you're dreaming, which is kind of cool. But let me ask you this, my friend. If there are people who are coming to you and asking you why they're not dreaming, is, isn't this the, the focus we should be concentrating on? Is because the people who are dreaming obviously are getting some kind of therapy whether it be self-induced mm -hmm. a placebo effect or whatever but the people who yeah. aren't having the dreams these are the people who are having the problems because they're not getting the closure yeah well it's in, that's why it's really interesting so yeah going back to yeah. that study I, I the two studies i did that I replicated um mm -hmm. anyway so looking at why are some people dreaming of the deceased and other people aren't and so those people who are dreaming of the deceased what actually is the biggest predictor is dream recall so it's those people who are remembering more dreams in general are mm -hmm. remembering dreams of the deceased more often and so what it tells me is that people are probably dreaming of the deceased more often than they're actually remembering. And so this is really interesting. So grief wasn't an, an aspect of it. So people who are having these dreams, they're not grieving differently, right? I see. Um, they're right? Just, because they're just not remembering. Also, yeah, and there's different types of dreams, too. you got to remember, there are, even though most of these are positive, there mm -hmm. are these negative dreams All that right, people can have. We've got to take our final break, so please okay. stand by. Exonation. Joshua Black is our special guest. Now, listen, if you've got, if you'd like to contact Joshua, and um, if you've if you've had dreams, and after you go to his website and and read what's there, and if you think that Joshua can help you, once again, here's the website: www.griefdreams. 
www.griefdreams.ca. That's www.griefdreams.ca. And we'll both be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Donation, uh, Joshua Black is our guest, www.griefdreams.ca. Joshua, before we went to the uh, final break, we were just going to start talking about the different types of dreams. And you were saying that not all of these dreams are nice dreams. No, and that's that's the mystery, too. It's mm. like, you know, what's going on? Like, Why are some people having these very beautiful dreams that are comforting them for the most part, and other people are having these nightmares of the deceased in different ways? And so... Some of the negative dreams people can have is um, so like you see the person dead, dying or ill again. So it could be like they were in waking life or it could be an exaggerated form, mm -hmm. uh, which is really sad to see. Um, you know, like it's just it breaks my heart when I have to read these things. And another one is um, the deceased is actually um, is causing discomfort in some way. So it could be they're chasing the person. Um, they're trying to kill them. They're, you know, they're arguing with them. And so, like, why is that going on? And so when looking at, so when doing my research, I did mm -hmm. a bunch of studies looking at this stuff. And so um, one of the main findings was these negative dreams, what's causing them or one of the, the things that's associated with them is trauma symptomatology. So people who are experiencing, you know, trauma from the event, um, it seems like they're the ones that are having these types of dreams. And people who are also having issues with guilt or blame in regards to the grief. And so they're also uh, related to having these negative dreams. So it's very interesting. So, you know, when it comes to sort of therapy and those people who are having these dreams, some people, this is the important part too, some people will take these negative dreams as visitations too. And this is the, the something that's come up a lot. And I've really tried to correct that and say it's probably had something to do with your grief, because knowing what I know about dream research. And so it always comes down to, yeah, something that's usually their trauma or it's, it's something to do with the guilt or blame that they're holding on. Um, that's causing this thing to occur. And I remember this one dream that a woman shared where her husband, her ex-husband who died, or her husband that died, uh, was basically wanting all the money that she inherited, like really like attacking her for that and attacking her new boyfriend. And what she sort of said was, you know, it sticks with me. Like, I don't know why he keeps doing this, you know. And I said, you know, is this, you know, is this person... Um, is that what he normally was in waking life? She's like, no, it's like, you know, he was always kind and comforting. And but she's like, the thing that, you know, really stays with me is this money because I feel like I don't deserve the money. He had to work so hard and I'm the one that gets to spend it. And I was like, oh, you know, like that makes sense. You know, like so your your uncomfortableness with this money um, and realizing that he had to die for it is causing you so much distress that you don't really you haven't processed that yet. So it's coming into your dreams. And so my theory or my understanding of how these dreams would go is once you, mm. you know, work on those issues, you're probably going to have more comforting dreams as you move forward in your loss. 
So what do you do with these people? How do you help them? Really is providing them guidance of understanding how these dreams connect to their waking life. And so we don't really, no one teaches dreams in schools, right? So a lot of people are left to their own devices and what they do is they go on the internet, you know, and they, they Google something, right. <laughs> they go to a dream dictionary and those aren't good at all. You know, like I don't recommend them at all because everyone's life is differently and everyone's issues are different. And just by looking at the imagery and asking questions mm -hmm. about, you know, what's going on, you could connect it pretty straightforward to the person's life. They just need that help sometimes. And so... I do that with people um, just, you know, just for the hell of it because um, I see it in my own life and so I can help them too. And, it, you know, you could tell like it just takes a couple minutes and then people are like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. And they feel better and then they get back on to their grief journey rather than trying to complicate it or worrying about something that maybe they shouldn't, they don't really need to worry about or to focus on something in therapy if they're in therapy. Right. To then focus on that one issue because the mind's saying we need to look at this. So do do uh, do a lot of therapists today use Jung, uh, Jungarian? Um, well, what he was a dream analysis expert, wasn't he? Yeah, Jungian analysis. Jungian, yeah, yeah, there's that's one form of uh, dream interpretation, and not everyone uses that. You know, I, I, most therapists don't use any kind of dream interpretation, but that's like its own school, just like Freudian has its own right. school. And so, what I'm trying to get people to like people who work with the bereaved usually don't know anything about or they've never been trained with dreams at all and they really don't really have a, a, a want to. And so my whole goal is that, you know, through this research, hopefully they'll know some information and be able to talk to their clients um, with these dreams and be able to help process them. Because if the deceased is in the dream, mm -hmm. um, especially early in the loss, we could probably say it has something to do with their grief, right? Like, so it's not too far-fetched. So right. it's not like we're like pulling strings and trying to get stuff to connect. It's like, no, it's all here. So let's try to figure out how this works with your with your loss. Mm -hmm. And now that we know a little bit about negative dreams, um, that's going to be a little bit easier for them to sort of process with their clients. So I'm just trying to get it normalized and for people to start talking about it because yeah. it's so weird that there's not a lot of information, but in a pulp culture, they're everywhere. So in the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon has four specific different dreams in different episodes of Dr. Proton. It was in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. It was the Ant-Man. It was in so many different Braveheart, right? Like, so there's so many things in pulp culture that promote um, what's going on, right? Yeah, but, there's, yeah, but, there's, yeah, but there's also leprechauns and, and, you know, fairies and all these other strange things that really don't exist in pulp culture. So <laughs> no, we really, but, yeah, but we really can't use exist, pulp, right? We really can't, we really can't use pulp culture as a, uh, as, as a point of reference. Oh, yeah, we can because people watch that. And if they watch that, they may want to have their own. Like, why am I not having a dream? Or why, you know, how come they're having that kind of dream? So it, it does, they're, they're promoting it in the sense that it's occurring, but yet the research is way behind. So right? where, like, do, where do we draw the line between fact and fiction or reality and fantasy? Well, I don't know. But when it comes to these dreams, you got to understand, like, people are saying that they exist. Mm -hmm. That's what pop culture is saying. Like, these exist. And our, my research is showing they do exist, and they're very common. All right, but dreams, yeah. There's every, no, yeah, dreams but, do exist, but that, that doesn't mean everything in a dream is real. No, no, but the dream of the deceased, it's, it's very specific to the deceased when these dreams happen. And it's a showcase of that, right? And what my research is showing is that they are common. And that's really exciting. That's new. So before that... It wasn't really the case, you know, like so people were seeing this stuff mm -hmm. and they probably would want it. Right. So there was a study that was done and the 50 percent of people that never had a dream stated that they wanted one. That's a lot of people if they've never had a dream wanting one. And so you guys just see like even um, what was the latest one? Uh, Paul McCartney actually just shared, I think, a couple months ago 
um, that Let It Be, that song, was based on a grief dream he had of his mom. And so, like, it, people are voicing these dreams. And so it's, now it's good to have some information that we can actually share with the bereaved when they have questions on the topic. So that's the whole point of it. It's right. like these dreams exist, and now we have some answers to go along with that they exist. Tell me about Dreaming of Owl. Uh, that's a, it's, a, it's a book I, uh, I wrote with my uh, friend, uh, Deb Stapleford. So the other thing that I realized and really fast was children had these dreams also. And because children don't uh, fully understand death and dying, so these dreams can really confuse them. And so I really wanted to write a book to help children understand that these dreams uh, exist and to help parents um, also understand how to talk about these these dreams with children. And so it's a cute little story mm -hmm. where there's uh, basically an owl died and Chipmunk and Bunny are in the forest and they're telling all the other animals and they tell these two foxes. And one fox has a dream and the other fox doesn't. And so it's his journey on to basically realizing he doesn't need a dream to um, love owl and, and, you know, grieve properly. So it's a it's a loving story. It's not that sad. <laughs> All right. So you were telling me before we went on air that you've got three weeks left. What do you do after three weeks? After you get your degree and you're a doctor, what where do you take? This, oh, where do you go from here? Ah, who knows, right? <laughs> Celebrate. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm gonna drink some Jack Daniels like you. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of this. I don't know, right? Like, so I probably do a bunch of talks. I in workshops. I've been doing that. Um, throughout this uh, this four years here, so I'll probably do that. Try to do like a cross Canada tour to really like get the information out there for people to be able to use in their practice and stuff, and for the brief to feel comforted and answer their questions. But beyond that, I don't know. Like I really started this to find some answers for the bereaved, and I've done that. And so it's like I feel it's very like I feel accomplished in that area, and we'll see what doors open as we move forward. But like you said, as of right now, it's just mm -hmm. really taking it all in and celebrating how long it's been and what I was able to accomplish in memory of my father. So would you say that this was a healing process for you as well? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know where to be actually, you know, with, uh, without doing this. Like, I get to bring my dad everywhere I go with me, and I get to talk about him in my talks, and I get to help people in their time of distress. And, like, man, like, what more can you want with that? And to be able to even do the podcast, we started the podcast, Greek mm -hmm. Dreams Podcast, and... To hear people, they come on, they leave like refreshed, and you hear these stories and how it, that even benefited them. So I just I love being a part of people's lives and seeing the change that uh, you can bring just by being yourself and holding compassion and space for them. But is there a difference between holding compassion, <clears throat> giving them faith, and actually giving them facts, or is it the placebo effect? Well, we'd have, we'll do a whole show on the placebo effect, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, for the most part, it's holding space, allowing people to share what they need to share and to talk about a subject that hasn't been talked about in their lives. For most part, most people never talk about these dreams that they've had mm -hmm. because they're afraid people are going to judge them. They're going to say it's, you know, um, you're not over your loss. That's why you're having it. Or they want to say it's a visitation and they don't they're not spiritual. So it's just like on the on the platform, it's just like whatever you want to believe, that's cool. And I'll talk about it with you in whatever way I can and help you out if you need it. Sometimes all people need is like, thanks for sharing. You know, that's, they, you know, they just need that validation that, you know, someone cares. All right, Josh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And Exonation, if you'd like to contact uh, Josh Black, www.griefdreams.ca. Obviously, he's never listened to the show before because we've talked about this many, many times. We've had Craig Webb on from the uh, Dream Institute in Montreal. We've had other doctors who have come on to talk about this. So, uh, 
I think he's a little behind the times. But that's just my opinion. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And to find out what's going on on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. And on Simul TV, Channel 21, that's the Exxon TV channel, www.simultv.com. I'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away.